In the last episode, we introduced The Brain Audit, a book by Sean D'Souza, where he talks about the psychology of decision-making. And really, this is the foundation of why patients end up making the decision to come in for the consult and why they make the decision to move on and eventually end up in the OR. And also, I'm flying solo on this one today, so we'll see how this goes. It's interesting because looking at so many bariatric websites from across the country, people will say, what is a good amount of money to spend on marketing? Or what is a good amount of website traffic to convert to leads? Or what is a number of leads that should be coming in for consults? Or what is a number of consults that should be going all the way to surgery? There are so many variables to that answer. It's difficult to give a baseline response. But what we have seen is an enormous difference in the lowest conversion rate and the highest at all parts of the funnel. And I think this subject right here is the reason why. I don't know if we're going to keep going with these chapters of the brain audit. I haven't exactly had a phenomenal response. So I take that as a, <laughs> a vote of maybe this isn't the subject that everyone wants to talk about, but this one is key. And so if, if I don't share any more, I am going to share this one because it is so good. And it's so good to think about in your daily life as well. So in the two weeks ago, we introduced the thought that Sean D'Souza speaks about. If you get on a flight and you load six bags onto the airplane, when you reach your destination and you are going to claim your luggage, you're not going to leave until all six of those bags come off of that windy luggage thing. So when two bags are off, great, you're going to wait. When three bags, when four bags, when five bags, if you stand there for 30 minutes, you are going to go hunt down that last bag. And it's the same with making a buying decision. You're not going to make the buying decision until all these questions get answered in your mind and you feel good about the purchase. And that could happen in a few seconds, standing in the line at the grocery store, right? Looking at the rack that holds candy and magazines. It could be an impulse buy, or it could take years and years to go through these phases. But the first bag he mentions is called the problem. And I'm going to quote a little from the book. And the way to set this subject up is <clears throat> imagine you're sitting in your living room and you're reading a book and your son or daughter is kind of over in your peripheral vision playing. And all of a sudden, from the corner of your eye, you see something hurling towards your head. Your brain will not allow you to make calculations there. The immediate response will be to duck or to jerk your head back, to dodge in some way right? That decision is going to happen in a fraction of a millisecond. And you're not going to think back to, oh yeah, I remember when I walked into the living room, I saw my child playing with a box of Kleenex. I'm sure they just wadded one up and they tossed it over here. So no need for me to dodge. No, you don't do that. You immediately reflexively dodge that. And what he says in the book is the brain recognizes a problem long before it recognizes the solution to the problem right? That happens in a millisecond. <clears throat> he goes on to say, your brain is indeed obsessed with problems and for good reason too. The brain's job is to keep you alive. And to keep you alive, your brain starts to catalog all the things, events, situations, and experiences it needs. And very quickly, it works out what's an irritant, what's kind of dangerous, and what's really scary. Which means that if, like he says here, if I were to throw a piece of cloth your way, you probably raise an eyebrow. 
But if I threw a block of wood instead, you'd be ducking, swerving, defending yourself in the best way possible. That's your brain at work. And your smart little brain does one heck of a job in a matter of milliseconds. He goes on to talk about different situations. I'm not going to go through all of them. He quotes a study from the Ohio State University where they show people different images. Some of them are neutral, like a plate or a hairdryer. Some of them are very positive, like a Ferrari or a pizza. And then the last category is things that would stir up problems or that you would immediately recognize as issues, such as a mutilated face or a dead cat. And they, they record the electrical activity of each participant's cerebral cortex when they show those images. And long story short, of course, the negative images or the ones that stir up the fact that there's a problem, those register by far the highest on uh, reaction to the brain. So he goes through all of this and he sets this subject up saying problems get our attention better than anything else. And here's the issue. Most of us don't communicate with problems. Instead, we bring up solutions. And there's a reason why we bring up solutions. Most marketing or sales courses have completely sidestepped the importance of the problem. Most, most books, most websites will highlight the benefits of the product or the service. And we see this literally out of the hundreds and hundreds of bariatric websites we've visited, out of the offices we visit. If you see printed material, they typically go pretty extreme to discuss the solution. You just look at your own website, just Google bariatric website, any city in America. And when you hit that website, you will usually see everything slanted toward the solution. You'll immediately be asked to book a consult for the solution, call us for the solution. The clinic will be talking about how they've been providing this solution for over 10 years. Hey, we've done over 7,000 of these procedures, which is the solution. Hey, did you know Dr. Fill in the Blank was trained at ABC school and is an expert at providing this solution? Did you know this is a center of excellence, another solution? So then it launches into specifics. The gastric band is the solution. Then it talks about the sleeve, which is the solution. Talks about the switch, which is the solution. So it's giving an, a menu of all the possible solutions for the patient. And what the website almost never does, or certainly does not go very deep into, is highlighting the problem. Our philosophy for communication or even for marketing is it's okay to talk about the problem, right? It's okay to have an honest conversation and bring up the subject of high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, stroke, gallbladder, arthritis, sleep apnea, types of cancer, low quality of life, the fact that obesity has way higher numbers for clinical depression, for anxiety, for other things. It's okay to talk about those. And some people feel like, oh, we're not going to do fear-based marketing. And our philosophy would be, that's not fear-based marketing. This was probably 10 years ago. I had a car that had a lot of miles on it and I took it to the mechanic and they changed the oil and did some service. And then he said, hey, you are getting to the point where we need to change the timing belt. And I said, oh, well, what does that mean? How much does that cost? And it was really expensive. I forget how much it was, but into the thousands. And I said, well, I don't know. I'd rather just keep going how it is. And he said, that's fine. Let me tell you what I've seen in cars like this that have this many miles on them. When the timing belt does break, 
what ends up happening is you're going down the road. So not only are you going to be stranded, but when that thing breaks, it can bend the valves. It can do this and this and this. And that can get you into several thousands of dollars to repair that um, after we send the tow truck somewhere out to get you. So when he puts it like that, I went ahead and had the timing belt changed. Now he could have said, hey, it's time to get your timing belt changed. And what you will get for that is a nice, fresh piece of rubber in there. It's going to be super bendy and stretchy, and you'll just have peace of mind. And that is a different approach than the education of, hey, you do whatever you want, but let me tell you the statistics. Let me tell you what I've seen before, because I've seen this a thousand times. And to me, I don't mind someone communicating the problem to me that way. That is what all of our brains are going to react to. Versus only hitting on the solution, solution, solution. Oh my gosh, you're going to lose so much weight. You're going to feel so much better. That, that is true. But even from the first hit of the website or the poster or brochure in the office or the first phone call to the patient or the initial consultation, what we've seen work really well is if, you know, what Sean D'Souza says is to isolate the problem. To be a really trustworthy and good salesperson is to help someone bring up questions that they didn't know they had about the solution. The best kind of salesperson is one who would dig, dig, dig and find out, oh, you know, you actually have a problem. I've helped you reach the solution here. And you know what? It's not mine. You don't need me. You need something else. And let me help you get that. That is the absolute highest form of sales is I'm going to help you dig down and ask the right questions to find what you need. And it may not be what I'm selling. So from that first initial phone call, whoever answers the phones or whoever's in on that initial consultation, here's a way we've seen it work really well, which is starting with why. Asking the potential patient, why did you come in here today? What brings you here? What I said earlier about it's just below surface level is most people haven't put that much thought into it. All they're thinking is maybe, oh, I want to lose weight. I want to look good. I want to feel good. <clears throat> That's level one, surface level. And if you will take an extra two minutes and ask one or two solid follow-up questions, you will get to the real reason. Meaning most of the time they say, yeah, I just, I want to lose 45 pounds. My sister's wedding's coming up and I want to look good. Fantastic. What else? Mm, well, I have struggled with this since I was young and now I'm looking around and I see my uncle and my dad, my uncle's pre-diabetic, my dad's full-on diabetic. And last time my dad went to the doctor, they said he's got heart problems. Okay, now we're getting to a real core reason. <clears throat> and maybe even one more step after that, which would be, what do you think will happen if you continue down the path you're on? And that is just uncovering those real reasons. And as the medical clinic, being honest and forthright and saying, look, let me just tell you, historically, what I've seen happen to people your age. You come in here, you're 39 years old, you're 100 pounds overweight. Let me tell you typically how that story goes. And there's nothing wrong with using that education uh, to get to the heart of the issue and help people filter out which solution you offer would be the appropriate one for them. So there's a whole nother set to this chapter, but I'm not going to go into it. I just feel like that's the main crux of the message is we don't have to talk so much about the solution. The solution is watered down. Someone doesn't come to you for the solution. They come to you because of a problem, right? Typically, the, one of the only things that 
forces people to take action, I think especially in the arena of weight loss is problem or pain. Something has finally gotten to the point where they need to make a decision and it goes a long way if we can speak about more than just the solution.